gripe about what? About the billboards, Mildred, which is what I've come to have a word with you about. Oh, proceed. I know how hard it's been for you, Mildred, this past year. We all do. And if there is ever anything that you need, we will be there for you, always. But the town also knows what kind of a man William Willoughby is. And the town is dead set against these billboards of yours. Took a poll, did you, Father? What is up and welcome back to another episode of Rotten Potatoes, the podcast where four friends sit around and review movies that you absolutely should have seen by now, but at least one of us hasn't. My name is Tyler and I'm here with four of my best friends. I'm Scott. I'm Jake. I'm Zach. And we're talking about uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, just the longest title, I think, of all time. Yeah, I get tired saying it sometimes. <laughs> but I'm I'm really excited uh, to do this. You know, I had only seen it once before uh, when I picked it, uh, but rewatching it again, I I just got so excited uh, to to review this picture with you guys. It it really blew me away. I love the way that you describe that where you said picture like you're an old timey Hollywood man. <laughs> like that's a that's a real fine picture. Like Roger Ebert. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> well, Jake, it's a whiz bang picture. Okay. okay. And <laughs> <laughs> did that make the cut when we talked about whiz bangs? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh man. Well, how how are you guys doing before we jump too far into this? Well, guys, first, I, I just want to say, like, was Tyler late to this episode? <laughs> Tyler was on time, if not early. <laughs> I did not uh I did not Terry. Yeah. I was walking I was walking upstairs and Benedict? I like, yeah. I, I'm trying to come up with more old timey words. Uh -oh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Well, uh, yeah, I, I picked this movie. I nominated it mostly, uh, because I loved it, but also because it's Martin McDonough. Yeah. I, I've, I've watched more Martin McDonough movies in the, I think I've watched as uh, like six Martin McDonough movies in the last year. I've been going on a chair. Is there six? I, there's not. I don't, I, watched, think there's I, so, say, I don't think there's six. Hold on. So I watched in Bruges. Yeah. Seven psychopaths. Yeah. Uh, Banshees of Inna Sharon. Yep. This. And then this. So I guess four movies. That's all. That's, Is that that's all? all he has. Yeah. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, I watched all of his movies in the last year. I watched all of his movies in preparation for this podcast episode. Really? Because I just loved Three Billboards so much that I was like, oh, well, now I kind of want to watch Banshees. Like, I, I it just came out. I was Had ready you seen it see already? It. No, I hadn't yet. I was like, okay, well, let's watch Banshees. And then that got me so excited to watch rewatch In Bruges. So I rewatched In Bruges and then you loved it way more than I remembered even. And I, I, I knew I loved it. And then I was like, well, now I've just got to complete it and go back to seven psychopaths. Speaking of in Bruges, I just, I had this conversation with Zach last month when I watched in Bruges. Would you call that a Christmas movie? Uh, yeah, I would. Wow. You guys are insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I've never seen it, so I can't tell you. It takes place at Christmas time. Uh, -huh. uh, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So it's like uh, Actually, Die Hard. I, it's it, a Christmas it, movie. It's more of a Christmas yeah. movie than Die Hard because at the end of the movie, I mean, do you care about spoilers for In Bruges, Scott? No. Uh, at the end of the movie, there's a, a scene where Colin Farrell's like, there's a little kid right now who's not going to get to open up his Christmas presents <laughs> because I killed him or whatever it is he says. And I'm yeah. like, this is more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard and this is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> is there it any, sounds, uh, The Christmas way you're describing it, it sounds like it's a Christmas movie. No, it just happened to take place at Christmas. Mm -hmm, yeah. But it's not a Christmas movie. No, you, yeah, it took place at Christmas. But that's, there's no like, 
you could take out like you could describe the movie the entire movie mm-hmm. without saying the word christmas sure you could do that with home alone too are we gonna get into this uh i here's <laughs> Wait, what i home said. alone a christmas movie here's what i've said uh you're I think, joking right <laughs> i think that home alone is the least christmas christmas movie i think home alone is a christmas movie but if i have to sacrifice home alone to to stop the diehard crowd i would happily do that <laughs> like if you just need me to admit that home alone isn't a christmas movie then i will I'll say Home Alone's not a Christmas movie if if we're saying that it's the same as Die Hard. But but it is. So what in your mind, what makes something a Christmas movie? I think that yeah, that's it, a great question. I think it has to be about Christmas in some way. Not that it takes place around Christmas, but like like there's some sort of Christmas theme. Like like if you could summarize the movie without bringing up Christmas, then I would say there's a chance that it's not a Christmas movie. What is a Christmas theme? Like uh, Elf? <laughs> yeah, like Elf is about Christmas. It's about Christmas. Like you yeah. could not describe Elf without bringing up Christmas. Yeah. I could. You couldn't describe Elf yeah. well without bringing up Christmas. It's about uh, a man who is in a state of arrested development trying to find his father. Is he in a state of... Like, uh-huh. that, 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 that's not the movie though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, that, that, that could be... That's just too that's broad. That, the that movie. You could not necessarily... Like if, if I just gave you that, you wouldn't say that's Elf. You could probably think of several movies that that could apply to same with like, I could say like oceans 11 is about a group of guys getting together, to do a heist. And you could describe that about uh, a lot of different Wait, ways. If, oh, I, oh. if I was to describe oceans 11 and not try to be obtuse about it. Yeah. If you want to get more and more into detail, but then eventually that's not even more and more say, into detail. And it takes place during ocean in Bruges. It takes place during Christmas. You get back no. to it being a Christmas. No, movie. I could get very in detail. I could say in Bruges, Colin Farrell. Similarly uh, to La La Land is a Christmas movie. Go to hell. Lord of, <laughs> Lord of the Rings is a Christmas movie. Because there are elves? No, because... <laughs> it doesn't even take place on Earth. When they depart from Rivendell, it's in December. <laughs> no, it, uh, December's not even a month. Harry Potter is a Christmas movie as well. It, it is a month. Does, yeah. I don't think December... They use, in the, in, I guess in the, in the Shire Reckoning. Yeah. It is. Uh-huh. But... It's not even on Earth. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, also a Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. There's that no. one line in Harry Potter where he says, Happy Christmas, Ron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Christmas movie. No, I think that. Why does ABC guys... Family play all the Harry Potters during Christmas? ABC Family plays all the Harry Potters every other weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas in July. No. They call it Harry Potter Weekend. <laughs> and also, it's not called ABC Family anymore. It's called Freeform. Get with oh, the time. Know. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. For the last, like, 10 years, I think. It's yeah. called for Freeform? Yeah, yeah, it's been Freeform for what a long time. I haven't watched I don't know. ABC Family in a long it's, time. It's Freeform, bro. Like, we're we're doing our own thing over the, here. Is ABC Family, like, new age? <laughs> They're owned by Disney. Yeah, but it but Freeform, I think, they did rebrand to be, rather than ABC Family, they rebranded to Freeform, which was supposed to be targeted to, like, uh, o- older teenagers. Ooh. I don't have cable. <laughs> they named it Freeform? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I don't have cable, and I never will. Uh, but the only time I turn on Freeform is if I'm over at my parents' house, and it happens to be Harry Potter weekend, and it's just on. Gotcha. Uh, but, yeah, I don't watch network. TV. I Does guess. the amount of snow in a movie make any difference to you? Zero. Really? Zero. Because I I would think that the thing is maybe more of a Christmas movie than Home Alone because there's more I haven't, snow. I haven't seen oh, the thing. Fargo. Yet. Fargo is a Christmas movie. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> much snow. So are you telling me that <laughs> Christmas movies set in Australia are all set in June? Yes. Does uh, it snow in Australia ever? Mm, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. They. Yeah. They're. There's... Yeah. It must. Wait. Which movie are you talking well, about? I'm now? just any must any it? Christmas movie that's set in Australia because winter in Australia is in our summer. 
Yeah. Right? So for, for Americans, it is a Christmas movie then. <laughs> go, to, go to hell. <laughs> I'm quitting this podcast. <laughs> well, Jake, uh, you had seen three billboards before, right? Yeah, we, the three of us saw it together. Yeah. I think it was like finals week when I was in college and I was at school studying and then I got a text. I was like, hey, do you want to go to the movies? And I was like, absolutely. I don't want to study for this final. Uh, and I watched it and I really liked it at the time. And I watched it again and I don't know if I was as into it this time. Ah. And I'm trying to figure out why. And I think that I can be swayed. I think that you... I, I'm excited to talk about this because I'm excited for you to sway me. But I feel like I kind of watched this movie and I had a feeling the whole time where I was like, I don't know why I'm watching what I'm watching or like what I'm supposed to be getting out of this. And I just felt very odd the whole time where, it, and, and I felt like maybe it had just a little bit too much going on. Like there were a little, one too many threads. Like, I don't know why Peter Dinklage was in the movie, you know, or like, like something like, like there was just a little bit too much going on for me it maybe wasn't focused i'm not sure what it was that i was less into but i wasn't as into it this time as when we saw it together hmm. and i'm excited to be pulled back to it because i would obviously much rather be very into a movie than be like whatever about it so yeah yeah zach you obviously had also seen this before i had seen it before um and yeah i'd seen it with you guys i don't remember how i felt about it the first time do you remember I if, don't if remember. I, your it, I think that you were not as positive as the rest of us. I think we saw it like you, me, Tyler, and then somebody else. Uh -huh. I don't remember who. It wasn't me. It yeah, I, don't know I know it you wasn't there. you because he didn't. Want Otherwise, to. we wouldn't be doing it right now. Yeah, because if you had seen it, yeah. Scott. Okay, um, <laughs> good way to engage. Yeah, that don't you remember? It's what the people want. Yeah, silence. That's true. But um, I think you weren't as into it as the rest of us were. Okay then I feel like that kind of tracks because I still had a similar experience that you just described Jake where, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I am struggling to, I guess, kind of figure out the purpose of this movie. Um, there were parts of it that I liked to me. It felt a little uneven. Um, there were parts of it that I enjoyed. There were parts that I did think were very funny, but I am still a little unsure of like what the message of this movie is. Um, I came away a little dissatisfied with the ending. It's not my favorite Martin McDonough movie. It's also not my least favorite. I think that's Seven Psychopaths still. Um, but I'm also looking forward to hearing like what about it you like so much. Uh, because I do feel like I could also be swayed. Yeah, because like there was obviously a time where I watched it that I was super into it. And obviously I'm at a different point in my life now. What has it been like five years? Uh, and I feel like you could get me back there. Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against the movie in any way. I just, when I watched it, I was like, I don't, remember why I was as psyched as I was, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Scott, this was your first time watching it. It was. You you did actually watch this movie? I did. I was uh, <laughs> installing a ceiling fan. <laughs> I was driving and it was on. Yeah, I, was, and... I was installing a ceiling fan in my car as I was going to... Uh, <laughs> as I was going to watch my, my brother's kids. Yeah. <laughs> with the door open. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I felt similarly to them... Like there was definitely like scenes I thought were that were funny. I thought um, I don't remember. I always forget her name. Francis, Francis McDormand. McDormand. Francis, yeah. She. I thought she did great. Um, she was super engaging, and like I felt like her pain through the movie. And I thought she was great at engaging with these other characters. And I thought some of the other characters were compelling. 
and so like even like scenes like we opened with with like with the priest i was like oh dang like this is it was good dialogue it was funny it was engaging but also serious um but kind of at the end i was kind of left feeling like i didn't have resolution Mm -hmm. um and maybe that's the point because that's kind of her journey the whole time yeah um so i would say like there was things that happened that i wasn't expecting and character like changes that i thought were interesting and um i think i'm just a little like i i i was enjoying it the whole way through and then we got to the end and i was like okay i i liked it but at the same time i was like feeling like something was missing Hmm. and i think it was just that lack of like resolution like i wanted something more like i was like okay like even if they would have went and we got to see them go and kill the person yeah I would have felt more resolute. Like, okay, like this is how this has like changed them. But you're kind of left up to like, did they do it? Did they not do it? Did they back out of it? Cause they were kind of talking about, is this something we really want to do? I think I would have liked it so much less if we saw them kill him or not. You like that. It's up for interpretation. I think so. I think I like that it's up for interpretation, but I would like to assume that they did not do it. Uh, and so I don't think I would have been into that. And I think, I think it would have been fine to like that they did do it, but I, that's why I maybe, I think it, I, I just, I wouldn't have liked it if they would have told us either way necessarily. Yeah. I, I like the open-ended nature of like, you know, you're not really sure whether or not they're going to go through with this or not. Yeah. And I think as I'm thinking about it more, like maybe that could be the point is just like, it's such a senseless seems to be such a senseless and random act that has left her life so ruined. And it maybe makes you feel that like, why, why did this happen? I don't understand. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm processing, uh, my thoughts as I'm saying them. So yeah, maybe come back to me. I, uh, I gotta be honest. Uh, I actually think this is Mark McDonough's masterpiece. Uh, This is your favorite mcdonough movie yeah wow yeah well uh maybe not my favorite but i think it's the most excellent martin mcdonough movie interesting um i love that because you know to be honest uh like i i remembered this movie but but i had forgotten so much of it uh when i nominated it um having only seen it the one time before, as you guys know, and as the listeners have probably heard before I watch, I rewatch movies an extraordinary amount. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had frankly forgotten how funny this was, uh, because what really like stuck with me was the drama. Uh, Uh, and I think he does such an incredible job in this movie. Um, even over his other films of really, holding that tension so well between drama and comedy. Like, I think this is the, the perfect example of, of that like genre mashup, um, blows me away. How, how hilarious this movie is. No, I, I found myself laughing a fair amount. Um, and I think that like, even though Sam Rockwell is terrible in this movie, I think he's very funny. Um, (laughs) yeah, you know, so, and I, I think I agree that like, but I think he's been funnier. Like I think Banshee's been a Sharon is probably my favorite that he's done. Yeah. And I thought that that movie was very, very funny. Um, so I think he's been funnier, but I did think this movie was funny. Well, and I think for me, part of it might be that, you know, I don't, I don't really consume as much, um, as much British content as you do. I think 
Yeah, I don't know when that happened, but I started doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, to be honest, sometimes British humor or, you know, Irish humor, but, you know, UK humor is is lost on me. Uh, and I felt like in this, in Three Billboards, you know, obviously uh, in Seven Psychopaths, that took place in Los Angeles. But in Three Billboards, he really, Martin McDonough is really going like way outside of his, like, knowledge you know his 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 sphere of experience uh in middle america but i feel like he lands it like i felt like this was in in comedy chops like this was as uh funnier to me than fargo you know uh, but like both not just both having francis mcdermott or francis mcdermott Francis McDormand. McDormand, not McDermott. Uh, (laughs) We knew what you meant. Yeah, Francis McDormand. uh, But, you know, just a a comedy around middle America, like a part of of the country that, you know, we don't get to see a ton. Um, But, man, I felt like he he just really executed that perfectly. And maybe in in Bruges or in Banshees, I'm, I'm missing some of it because I'm not as versed in that humor. It's like, I feel like there is... There's a British humor that I do and don't get. Like I watched a clip of Rowan Atkinson interviewing Elton John and it was like two minutes long. And he just kept asking him why he made his name Elton John and how much he talked about how much he hated the name Elton John. And I was like, I don't understand this. I don't know if Elton John is mad at him because he seems mad at him, but he might not be. And I just, (laughs) I didn't get it. And, but then like some of it's really weird and I don't understand. And then some of it's just like really dry and funny and I like it. So I, I feel like I'm I'm 50-50 on whether or not I even like British humor. Yeah, that's um, fair. But I've had I was going somewhere with that. I lost all my steam. So uh one of the one of the things for me that really lands in this movie was what happens after the audio intro that we had. So uh Frances McDormand, uh her character uh is being confronted by the priest, and she launches into this monologue about how uh, the priesthood is, you know, similar to, uh, you know, the gangs uh, in L.A. uh, in that, you know, they're they're culpable because they joined the gang. And that whole monologue is so riveting and powerful. And I feel like Frances draws me into the whole thing. And it's the the content of what she's saying is very, um, you know, I think. Uh, like it's a really good cultural commentary uh, and then pivots it immediately into the joke of now finish your tea and get the F out of my kitchen and walks away. Like the, the, that tension to me between comedy and, and drama is very difficult to pull off well. And I, I feel like this movie just does it in spades. I mean, there are so many powerful monologues in this, in this movie. Uh, uh, what's his name? Lucas Hedges when they're in the car and he's, you know, describing to his mom how he feels about the, uh, the billboards like that whole scene is just so riveting, such high quality drama. And then the, the scene where th- this is by far my favorite scene in the movie. And then I'm going to shut up and let other people talk. Um, but when the dad comes and they're sort of like bantering back and forth and she gets his goad and he flips the table and grabs her by the throat and pins her against the wall. And then Lucas Hedges comes and 
puts the knife up against his throat. Like that all happens so fast and it's so dramatic and intense. And then you have the ditzy girlfriend just standing in the hallway. Like this is a bad time, isn't it? Like that, it was so dramatic and intense immediately released with like the perfect like humor. Uh, so this movie really just has so much, uh, building tension and, and resolving tension. Uh, but in in such a way that that it's uh it keeps me glued this is i think a really weird movie and like bringing up the girlfriend made me think about this like this is the only movie that's in what i would call the comedy genre it's like it's it's a dark comedy yeah but it's a comedy that needs a comic relief uh like it's it's so tense and, and it's really hard to describe where you're like, oh, have you seen Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri? And then they're like, no. And it's like, oh, it was pretty funny. And they're like, what's it about? Well, like a girl was like raped, raped and while murdered. Uh, <laughs> and then the mom's really upset about it, obviously. And so she's calling out the police. And then they're like, and you're like, this, that's what you thought was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like, it's really hard to describe without sounding like a psycho. It totally is. Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I don't think... I know it is classified. I don't know if I would classify this as a comedy. Right. I think I would classify it as a drama that has like realistic characters that have like some comedy within their characters, but I don't feel like the movie itself had like comedy. I feel like that. I feel like you would probably feel that way about every Martin McDonough movie. Yeah. Then I also agree that this was way funnier than Fargo, but mostly cause I didn't think Fargo was funny. Speaking of, of Fargo and this, uh, Frances McDormand. Yeah. And I, this is going to be an incredibly hot take. I think she is the best actor, actress uh, that is, she's like really good that I, I just don't like. like <laughs> when I see her, I can recognize I'm like, wow, she's really good. But something about her. And I couldn't even tell you what it was. Is it like me with Andy Serkis? Yeah, I think no, so. No, I because I don't think, oh my God, she's so ugly and that's why I hate her. <laughs> you know? Uh, like, I don't have a reason. But every time I watch, like, I recognize, like, oh, she's giving a really good performance. Uh, but none of her characters, except maybe Fargo, are characters that I like. And that could be part of it is, like, maybe she doesn't... I don't think that... Uh, what's her name in this movie? Um, Mildred. Mildred is particularly likable. Uh, hmm. But it may, maybe it's because her characters aren't likable usually. But I just... I don't like her and I don't know why. I don't know if she's likable, but I think she is understandable. I think she's understandable entirely. Like I understand her, her like anger and like, I get it. Uh, but for some reason I just, I, I, I never feel like, wow, I really enjoyed watching her. Right. Uh, even though she's doing a very good job. It's, it's almost like, uh, it's like an absence of charm. Maybe, maybe she's just not a very like charming actor. It could be. Like maybe she just doesn't have the charisma. Like she's, she's compelling, yeah. but not necessarily charismatic. Yeah. I felt like she had more charm and like charisma in Fargo. I, it, that, that I liked her the most I've ever liked her in Fargo. So like, that was what I was saying earlier, but like, it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Mark McDonough actually wrote this entire movie for her. Really? Yeah. And as, I, as like a gift to her. So he, uh, she, he caught her coming out of a play that she was in mm -hmm. and just wanted to like introduce himself. And, you know, they, they knew of each other and she said, you know, she met him and, and he's like, well, I, you know, I just love your work. And, and she said, well then write something for me. Uh -huh. And 10 years later, uh, he handed her the script. And like, I would never have 
even dreamed of casting anybody else. You oh know, yeah. Like nobody else could have done it. I don't think. And I think she does a great job, but I don't, I don't find myself liking her usually. That's fair. And I don't, I just don't get it. Like I, I really tried to think about it for a long time after I watched this movie. I was like, I don't like, she's doing a very good job, but I just did. I didn't. If you told me, Oh, Francis McDormand's in this movie. I'd be like, I kind of don't want to watch it. I will say she's, you know, to your point, Scott, she is kind of the least like classically attractive leading woman in her class. Like you think about like the class of women. That when did she, I say something about that? You, you, that you made the joke about Andy circus and oh. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think she's ugly by any means, but she's not like, she doesn't have like classic, like good looks that for so long is what was required for a woman to be in film. And I thought that, and I hope that that's not the reason I don't like, no, it. no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I, I think it is. I'm Jake. not. Yeah. I think I'm sexist. not, I'm not putting that on you. That was like, honestly, like I had this conversation with myself where I was like, am I sexist? Like, is that why I don't like her? <laughs> weren't we, wasn't it when we did Fargo? Didn't Zach, you say that you thought she was attractive? Yeah. I thought she was cute in that movie. Sure. I, 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 and I don't think anything it is has to do with her looks, but like I, I, it, it's gotten to the point with myself where like I had that conversation. It's like, are you sexist? Is that why you don't like her? And I'm like, no, I don't think that's what it is, but I can't put my finger on it still. What are your reasons that you think you're not sexist? <laughs> I just don't, I don't think I am. You know, I have a, a lot of women in my life who I, I like and respect. Mm. You know, I have three sisters and a mother, mm. uh, you know, that I think help make me not sexist growing up. Jake, I, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was very awkward. I have a bit of trivia. I have a, Scott. Not a super compelling argument, yeah. but I have a bit of trivia, Jake, that'll, uh, get maybe, me out of this situation. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for pushing it. <laughs> um, she, Frances McDormand in preparing for this role, her main inspiration, like who she like watched a ton of films of in order to like capture their essence was John Wayne. Really? Yeah. I, and you don't know what, uh, Knowing what I know about John Wayne as a person now, I can't, it's hard for me to look at him, you know, <laughs> just because of the crazy, insane things he said. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. Could, <laughs> that's crazy to me because I felt like J John Wayne has no range or like emotion in his acting. It was more his physical presence. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, like his, like her walk, like if you watch her walk in this film, like it, she does walk very masculinely and very, uh, imposingly. Uh, and even her stance, I think about the scene where um, she there there she's at dinner with Peter Dinklage and the husband's there and she Peter Dinklage leaves, gets offended and leaves. And she's walking up to him with the the bottle of wine, but she's holding it in a way that like you, you don't hold a bottle. Hit, yeah, hit him, you yeah. think she's going to clock him yeah. unless you're about to commit a crime. That's not how you hold it. <laughs> <bottle. laughs> uh, but just that walk even was so menacing and imposing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's it's. Uh, uh, to me, like just a great sign of an actor to be able to uh, communicate something with no words. Uh -huh. And she really sells that moment. And like, I don't like, I'm not trying to take anything away from her. I think she does a fantastic I know. job. Yeah. Uh, but do you know what maybe makes me dislike her so much in this movie mm. is the way that she treats Peter Dinklage. And I feel like that's maybe the only reason he's in the movie is to cement like that she's not likable because I feel so bad for him. Like I get, I got genuinely sad when he's walking away and he says, I didn't have to hold your ladder. Yeah. And like it, it was like kind of a dumb line, but I was so it's very sad. I was sad. Yeah. And then, and maybe that's why I don't like her in this, you know, it's like, she's like, 
she's angry and understandably angry and lashing out, but it's like, man, like he just is being nice to you no matter what. And you're, you're like treating him terribly. Yeah. But that, that scene makes me sad. It made me, it made me sad when we watched it the first time. It was one of the, the thing moments that stuck out to me cause I was sad and it made me sad again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, it didn't make me like super sad. I mean, I, I understand like there's a lot of, there's so many like different like things happening. One, like she's just not emotionally healthy right now. Like, and he's trying to come into this situation where he knows she's not emotionally healthy. Like, and so some of that's on him. And then secondly, like there's this idea like, oh, if you do something nice for someone that they owe you. Yeah. And I don't, I don't even know that he necessarily saw it that way. I think, I think he liked her and like was trying to do things for her to make him, make her like him. But I mean, I don't feel like he thought she owed him something. Maybe I'm wrong. So one of the things that you guys, uh, Jake and Zach, you both said, I don't remember if you said this, Scott, um, that you just weren't sure what the message of the movie was. And I, I don't feel like I always need a message in a movie. No, sure. But with a movie like this, this I feel like this movie is trying to communicate a message. Yeah, I, I feel like it's trying to get me to feel something, trying to get me to understand something. And I'm not necessarily sure what it is. I, I uh, had a conscious moment watching this uh, where I, I think I really unpacked the message watching it through this time. Uh, I think it's the, the tension between love and anger. So you have Mildred who is impossibly angry. Uh-huh. Like, you know, like you, there, there probably isn't a higher level of anger than being the mother of a, of a child who's gone through something like this. Mm. Uh, well, but like that's born out of her love for her child. Uh-huh. And then you have like her relationship with uh, Woody Harrelson where there's a lot of, with Chief Willoughby where there's a lot of anger there. Um, but it's really like there is an undercurrent of love. Like when he writes that letter to her, I think that was probably like I cried when she's like, or Woody Harrelson uh-huh. is voicing that, that letter. I think that they had another moment that I really appreciated in this movie, which was when she was in lockup oh, and then he spits God. blood all over her. Yeah. And then like, she's just like so understanding. Oh. And, like So like it, they just, their whole attitude towards each other changes like that. I love that moment. Uh, man, I have chills right now because uh-huh. I'd forgotten, kind of forgotten about it, but I, I, yeah. you know, that moment it's immediate how, you know, they're, they're angry and they're, you know, kind of like, uh, mocking each other a little bit. And, you know, they're each trying to one up one another. And as soon as he does it, his face and her, it's okay, baby. I know that uh-huh. line, like it just breaks you. Yeah. Like it's, it's so good. It's so perfectly delivered. And that was like one of the, one of the moments that I appreciated her the most as a character where I was like, she, maybe she's mad at him unfairly, you know? And like, she needs to be mad at something and she's lashing out, but right. it's almost like she's, she's just put him as like the system. And then as soon as he has this moment where she's just like, so understanding of him as, as a person and is like not, somehow able to put aside her anger for him. Like I, I really appreciated her in that moment. And that's, that's as close as I came to liking her in this movie. Yeah. And then even Dixon, you have this weird tension of love and anger where he clearly has anger issues and racism issues. Um, but when, uh, when Willoughby kills himself, uh, the moment where he finds out and he's just crying 
in the bathroom with the the sergeant Uh and then immediately is driven to just furious rage to totally destroy red Uh the you know like that that whole tension between you know the relationship between love and anger is is really interesting to explore yeah and i think like even later in the movie where red finds out that dixon's been burned and then he's like upset and then he still tries to give him the juice oh like reach out like there is i feel like there's something there with like like maybe not maybe not answering anger with anger yeah um and that's even what the you remember the the dumb girlfriend uh, did, did did Bitsy really say begets. Begets. <laughs> I read it on a bookmark <laughs> from a book I was reading. Can we talk about how she has such a small role, but how well she acted that? I think she's very funny. Like that was God. She was very funny. She acted the hell out of out of that very insignificant role. Uh, yeah, I, we were talking about theming, and I think for me, like the way I see it is like how to see a person amidst a bad situation, like rather than like you talked about like anger and being like mad at people. But like, I loved that it, there were so many different dynamics with characters where they had reason to be upset, Mm -hmm. but uh, through either a circumstance or, or something else, like they see the human behind yeah. The other side. Mm-hmm. And so like, I love the chemistry between her and the sheriff. Yeah. And even like his little like payback, like, haha, I'm dead, but I got <laughs> you back for a month. Type of thing. Like there was so much like humanity behind that, yeah. which was really cool. And then even at the very end of the movie, when it's her and, um, I forget his name, Dixon Dixon. And she like confesses, like I'm the one who burnt it. And he goes, I know. Yeah. Like, I'm, but I deserved it almost. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like everyone, like it's a a story of like great loss and tragedy, but at the same time, like grace for other people amidst like the difficulties Mm. of life. Yeah. I think it's man, just a very moving movie, but also again, like I, it's, it's so damn funny when Dixon is reading his letter from Willoughby and he's like, I think you have it in you to be a great detective, but he doesn't notice the burning building around <laughs> yeah. him. Like, it's so funny. I I heard this movie pitched after I saw it for the first time as uh, a coming of age story for Sam Rockwell. If you come of age at the age of 35. Yeah. Uh, and I can kind of see that, like watching it again, like Lord, like he has this, uh, almost redemption. I don't know that I would call like he has like a full redemption, but I, I feel like he's on, on a path to change. Um, and maybe not. Cause then he's going to go murder a guy mm-hmm. potentially. Um, but I heard when I was reading about this movie that there was a lot of controversy around that. Yes. And I, it's, it's something I don't understand. Like wouldn't, I, I don't know why we don't want him to change and like, yeah, yeah learn better so for listeners who maybe don't know there there was a lot of controversy around this movie in that uh you know people felt that the role that race and racism played in this movie was um underplayed um or it was maybe um used improperly as a vehicle for the as plot. a vehicle for the plot and you know there wasn't enough uh, done there. And a big part of that was, you know, not only the role of people of color in the film, but also, yeah, the fact that maybe Dixon was redeemed in the end. 
Um, and I agree with you. I think that as, as humans, we want to see people who are clearly wrong. We, we should want to see them grow and learn and maybe not their, their previous actions aren't redeemed. Um, but we want to see them be better. We don't want them to do it again. Yeah. We don't want, <laughs> yeah. We don't want to just hate people, you know, uh-huh. like that's not the point of, uh, you know, uh, activism is not to hate people. It's to change people. Uh-huh. And, uh, I, I agree with your, I agree with your sentiment about that. I hadn't thought about that before, but, but I did speaking of maybe problematic things in the movie, absolutely insane that the only two black characters in the movie see each other and fall in love immediately. And oh like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's, I don't know that we needed that. Well, I don't do they, uh, I, I mean, I, I kind of assume that they already knew each other cause it's it, a tiny town. It looks like they didn't. It looked like they like saw each other and they're like, Whoa. And then they like shake hands. I didn't have that read on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that they, that they didn't know each other. No, that they fell like that. They fell in love. They seem, they start dating. They go like, out on a date. They go out on a yeah. date right after. Yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I didn't even like, I just, I saw them there I didn't even necessarily know if that was a date or not. They, they were just kind of like at the bar together. They had such a love at first sight look to me when she mm. gets out of the car that I was like, what the heck? That's that, interesting. It, I didn't catch it. But yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, it, maybe it didn't happen. No, no, no. I, read, I, but like, I, I trust that it did. It I, was, I just didn't catch it. I was like, wow, okay. Uh, I feel like that should be talked about instead of instead of Dixon's uh, yeah redemption <laughs> yeah no totally yeah and and definitely the role that people of color played in the film was one of the complaints for uh-huh. sure um, was that you know if you're going to introduce racism you probably need to you know uh, make if not the hero a hero uh, people of color. Uh-huh. Um, and they, Martin definitely didn't do that, but I also think that, you know, to, it wasn't the point, like that wasn't the point of the movie for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think that Martin might struggle. Obviously I think he's lived in the United States for a long time. And, um, but I think that he really might struggle to really understand, uh, the, uh, intensity of race in America because it's not something that they really experience in the same way in the UK. Um, I, I mean, racism is everywhere, but they uh-huh. don't experience it in the exact same context that we experience it in. Uh-huh. And, and in this like context of middle America in particular. And so I, I just don't think it was something that he uh, was trying to really make a, a statement about. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it, it may have felt to the the people that are criticizing like there was a redemption without justice. Sure. And so like, I think, I don't think they're like upset that a character like grew beyond their past biases right. and that kind of stuff. It's more like, but he didn't have to pay for any of the past biases. Right. Yeah. No. And I, I understand that. Um, Martin talked you know, and, and Sam both talked about in interviews after the fact, like, uh, like Martin said, like, you know, it's funny that people are saying that, like, I don't see his character as being redeemed at all. I don't see him as redeemed, but I think I see him as like on a path to change. And I, I think he got shown some love, like some just normal compassion from love, somebody he yeah. wasn't expecting to totally uh, to see that from. And I think that that is where he is starting to change. Um, yeah. And so maybe not redeemed, but hopefully on a path to change and like, I don't know if redemption is the right word. Yeah. 
But I, I can see why people th- thought that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see it. Uh, I don't know that I fully uh, understand, uh, you know, people who were upset by this just because like I only have my human perspective and you know yeah. uh, but uh, but I totally see it like I yeah. can see why I just thought that the 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 change in him was something that made me happy to see somebody you know to see a character grow and change and start to be better yeah maybe not all the way better because he's still an idiot but <laughs> <laughs> the other person that I was really surprised by in this movie because I of course love Sam Rockwell love Francis McDormand love Woody Harrelson uh, everything they're in love Lucas hedges, everything he's been in. Um, but the, the guy who plays red, I thought he did such a good job in this movie. Yeah. And I feel like I've seen him in, in some other things and I feel like I generally like him. I don't know his name. I can't even think about what I've seen him in. Yeah. I, I don't know his name either, to be honest, but he was in X-Men first class. He was Banshee. Oh I yeah. I saw, uh, any, uh, the only X-Men movies I've seen, are Logan and whatever one we saw together in theaters where uh, Quicksilver saves them from the blowing up. Those are the only ones I've seen. Uh, And then uh, he was in uh, American Made with Tom Cruise, which I know you haven't seen since you famously have not seen many Tom Cruise movies. Almost every Tom Cruise movie I've seen has been for this podcast. (laughs) There's one. No, two. There's two that have not been. (laughs) But they were still after we started the podcast. No, I saw Valkyries oh, that's a right. long time ago, right. and I completely forgot about it because it wasn't very good. Uh, <laughs> Caleb Landry Jones, that's his name. Yeah, I liked him. Yeah, I, I thought he did such a good job, and I wasn't expecting it, uh-huh. you know, because he's not, you know, that well-known. And I think it really gives a lot of credence. I think he's a good actor, but I think it gives a lot of credit to uh, Martin McDonough uh-huh. as a director. He was the older brother in Get Out, too. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he was upsetting mm-hmm. in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it gives a lot of credit to to Mark McDonough. And I, I, I really think one of the things that I love about this movie that I, I recognized watching it this time is Martin McDonough, uh, in general, he's he's truly a playwright and a play director. Is that where he has his like? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's what he's more known for. Really? Yeah, frankly. I didn't know that. He was uh, also in No Country for Old Men. He was the boy on the bike. He must have been pretty young. And then he was also in The Social Network as Fraternity Guy. Hmm. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Yeah, he was a an extra. He's popping off. Uh, but yeah, Martin McDonough was a he was a playwright and a and director still is, and uh, that's really like his his uh, like background and chops. Uh, and all of his movies really feel like plays, like how he writes them. Like it's a lot of, there, there isn't a lot of action. There's not a lot of movement. It's a lot of people standing in a set, having a conversation. There's a lot of monologue. Um, but I feel like this one more than any of his other movies really like, I think he perfected that. How do you, turn a play into a movie. I think he perfected that in this. Interesting. I, I, I didn't know that. And so I wasn't looking for it. So I don't even know that I have a comment on that, but it's something that I would probably pay attention to. Yeah. Think about like the next time you watch one of his movies again, remember that. And like, you'll notice that it, it really does. It feels like a play. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I think it's uh, like a powerful, uh, I think it's a powerful 
storytelling vehicle uh, because a lot of movies like you do just kind of like, especially today, we, we assume that audiences are going to be bored. And so we spice it up with camera movement. We spice it up with, you know, lots of set changes, you know, um, and you know, I'm thinking about even like, even Christopher Nolan, like Christopher Nolan is an incredible filmmaker, but he does kind of the way that he makes movies kind of makes you think that he doesn't have a lot of trust in his audience, uh, because it's like, okay, we've just got to keep things moving really fast and we've got to have 30 locations and we've got to have these, you know, huge sprawling CG sets and, you know, like it's like, well, just, you know, give me the story. Uh And, uh, and I feel like Martin McDonough in this does that so well, where we have so few, uh, so few locations, so few scenes, uh, but still just such a wonderful, compelling story. Um, so I do feel like I have some thoughts. Um, it was interesting to hear your perspective, Tyler. I feel like for me, a lot of what did work for you, I felt like didn't work for me as much. Um, I felt like Martin McDonough was a little in over his head with this movie in a few different ways. I feel like one of them is like narratively, um, in that, like, I feel like within Bruges and then also with Banshees of Inishirin, we have like three or four characters specifically that we're kind of following. And those are the only characters that have really like any emotional weight to them. And I felt like with three billboards, we had so many characters that do have emotional weight in ways that felt like a little unnecessary. Like I agree with Jake that I, I don't feel like Peter Dinklage needs to be in this movie. I don't feel like the ex-husband needs to be in this movie. There were times where it's like characters would almost kind of re-enter the story for these big moments and then just leave. And it just felt like a thread that was like introduced, but not really resolved in a way that was satisfying for me. Yeah. I think that that maybe is why I felt maybe the way I felt is I had this thought where I was like, there's a lot just like maybe too much. Like, I don't even know if I want to say it's too much going on, but there, there are like what you're saying is like people come in and then they leave. And yeah, I think I agree with like that. Maybe that's when, why I had that impression. When Francis and, and Peter are at dinner together and there's obviously everything going on with their relationship and then the ex-husband happens to be there too. Like it, it almost just felt like we're dealing with like a completely different movie right here. Um, to where like it, it felt like it, it broke up the pace in a way that uh, I, I didn't love. But also I just feel like thematically I felt like I was dissatisfied with or like unsure of what was trying to be communicated to me. And it felt like, uh, it, it, it felt like the movie wanted me to think that the movie is about, we are worse off if we hang on to hate. And I feel like Willoughby says that outright to Dixon. And it felt like that's what the movie wanted me to like, that's what they were trying to communicate to me because we're seeing how terrible people are when they do hold on to hate. But then it never feels like it shows me that that is true because all we're seeing is characters continuing to choose hate and continuing to choose to do the wrong thing. And it feels like Frances McDormand, her philosophy is the world is evil and I have suffered from the world's evil. So I will be equally evil back. And the decision to go and track down this dude who's not responsible for my daughter's rape and death, but I will still murder him. And I'm going to bring down Dixon who I agree, Jake, it feels like is on a path to redemption. Uh I'm going to bring him with me and bring him down with me. 
was very frustrating for me. Um, it was his idea. Was it? I, don't I think remember. it was yeah. his idea. He it, calls her and he says, like, he's not our guy, but he's somebody's guy. Like, yeah. he's done something. Yeah, you're right. And he's he's <laughs> he's got his head on a shotgun. Yeah. And he uh-huh. kind of baits her. He, he, he says, you know, I found out where he lives. You know, yeah. kind of like he's like baiting her into it. Okay. That's interesting. I, I don't think it makes me feel much different about it. In a way, I almost feel like Dixon feels like someone who's really easy to take advantage of. Uh-huh. And so... Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was really first. I, I feel like I would have liked this movie so much more if the guy that Dixon did find and, and scratched the DNA off of would have been. Oh, I would have hated that. I think I would have liked the movie oh, so much more. I would have been so disappointed because it's just not real. Like that, that's movie, you they, know, like they, and they kind movie of language. I think they, I, maybe it was just a misdirect. I guess it definitely was a misdirect, but like Woody Harrelson says that he's like, you get no breaks. And then all of a sudden some guy hears somebody right. bragging about yeah. it. Yeah. And then it would have came a little full circle and you're right. Maybe it would have been a little more realistic, but then it would have felt like watching this movie was like worth my time a little bit. Cause by the end of it, I'm I just like, what am I supposed to do with this? People yeah. suck and they're evil. Yeah. I already no, you're supposed to choose love. But none of them do. Yeah. Yes, they do. Red, Who? Red is Red chooses love. So Willoughby I, chooses love. I have a couple Mildred moments. Mildred chooses love. I don't think Mildred does choose uh, love. Dixon yeah. chooses love. I don't. But then, but then he chooses. Let's murder this person. Yeah, yeah. I don't well, think but Mildred again, or like Dixon they're do. they're they're on their way there, and they're both like, yeah, I don't think we're going to do this. Like, but but we're we're choosing to like two people that that were diametrically opposed to one another are choosing to go on a road trip together and, I, and to, to like, it was a different read than what I yeah, got. I, cause I, I don't even feel like they like each other. Like I, I, I feel like they just happen to have interests aligning, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I, I don't even necessarily understand why Dixon does want to murder this guy. Uh, I get why Mildred does. Uh, sure. Yeah. Dixon does because Mildred does like he's, he's, he's trying to, he's trying to really like, uh, inhabit the, the letter that, uh, chief Willoughby writes to him. He's trying to live up to that is what he's trying to do. And, and that's why like in like the, the buildings burning down and his first thought is save the file, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, like he, he's, he's trying to live up to the, the, what little good someone else saw in him to not hold on to hate, to, uh, show compassion for someone in his life. Yeah. It's just like, maybe the strangest way to show compassion is to go murder somebody again. Yeah. It's yeah. I get it. Compassion towards that person. It's not compassion toward that person. It's compassion toward Mildred who he, you know, has been at odds with the entire time. I I I, I see mean, this as the worst possible thing for Mildred. Like she's not going to I don't think she's going to get any catharsis out of this if she does murder him. It feels him. like the and, and final again, yeah. I the the final scene to me is that they're not going to do this. They're they're really not. You I know? I would like to think they don't do it, but I am not sure that given their track record, I think they do do it. That's just my take on it. Yeah, because that was like, kind of my she, too. Mildred she, has already done some pretty bad stuff. Yeah, she just Dixon's went and clearly capable of it. She went and burned down the PlayStation. She I assaulted a couple so. teenagers at one yeah. point. <laughs> that was hilarious. I think that's the thing. I didn't find this movie. I there were parts that were very funny, but um, I think like Tyler, you had said it's like it's the 
perfect uh, balance between drama and humor. And I feel like he does that a lot better in Banshees of Inisherin, personally. I, like, I didn't find that scene all that funny. Yeah, Banshees falls pretty flat for me. Really? really? Oh, I love I, Banshees. I, I do, too, it. yeah. but it's super flat. It's not... Interesting. Yeah, it's not anything. I found like, it a lot more compelling thematically, I found it. I Like, I was thinking on that movie much more after the fact. That's so funny. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Honestly, Banshees is... His, like, it's a, it's a really good movie. It's a good Martin McDonough movie, um, but... If I had to force rank his films, it's number four. Wow, it's number one. For it's me. number one for me. Yeah, I should. I need to revisit in Bruges. Um, I haven't watched that one in a long time. But I, right now, it's it's number one. I think I've only Bruges. seen this and Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, so. yeah. I just watched in Bruges for the first time two months ago. I really liked it, but I liked Banshees of Inisherin. And I do. I like. I'm coming across very negative of this movie. I loved Woody Harrelson in this movie. Uh huh. I, I like. I completely agree with what. Jake, you and Tyler both said about his scene, the suicide note scene. I also got emotional during mm -hmm. that scene. I thought it was really powerful. The one bit of humanity that I saw from Mildred that, that I did find very compelling was when she's comforting Willoughby after he coughs the blood up. Like there, there were moments of this movie that I did really love, but it just ended in a, for me, a very dissatisfying way. It's, I don't know. I would say, um, Humanity can look in a lot of different ways, like can look different. Uh -huh. I think maybe that's her only time where she is like compassionately human. To but Willoughby? I, yeah. But I think like her like seeing red through the whole movie is also very human. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's the most human of his m movies for sure. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, because like, you know, I mean, like truly like trying to put yourself in Mildred's headspace. Like if your, if your daughter went through this and the whole town like doesn't care, mm -hmm. like your whole world doesn't care at all. And like you like trying to voice that you like want, you know, some resolve to this situation. You, you know, want the police to do their job. The whole town just comes back at you and says, Hey, tone it down. Mm -hmm. Like that would the, it, it's the most understandable rage in the world to me. And so like her going and burning down the police station, I'm not that like, that doesn't seem like such a horrible thing to me. It seems like, you know, a pretty obvious, like if you're in this situation, like it, it seems a very obvious to me. Mm. I mean, I, I still think it was not like, I would still classify it as probably horrible. Um, but I understand that she's not seeing clearly. Well, I mean, I, I would say horrible would be if she tried to hurt Dixon. That would be horrible. But she, like, called to make sure that there was no one in the building. Like, she was trying to destroy property, for sure, and send a message. But she wasn't trying to hurt anybody. But, I mean, like, at the end, like, she was hurting the wrong people. They didn't even burn down her billboards. That was, that was in direct response to them burning down her billboards and she, she was wrong. Yeah, it, it is in, in direct response to that, but it, it's a, like escalation and proportion over the whole course of the movie. Like even the billboards are an escalation of proportion to her like situation, you know, that we come into the movie with. Yeah. And so like it, it, it really is just like a mother trying to figure out like, okay, what can I do to like, get through to people to like actually like 
cause change and, and really do something about this? I don't know that I necessarily think that the people of the town didn't care about about it like even like it, we, it, it's hard to say because we don't get a, a look into a lot of them but like Woody Harrelson I think genuinely cares that he's I not getting it and like he, but we don't know that until he dies he well, I, I think he says it immediately he's like I want this but I don't have anything I can do yeah you know? but he he kind of like he he he's there he's like blowing her off like at the same time like he's not he doesn't read in that moment like he's just so invested in her and invested in her you know daughter's case like, I just think that like I, I got the impression that they just didn't have any leads and there was nothing they could do to figure it out you know and, that is the the reality yeah. it's the human and part so, of it but I, I'm just saying it's very human to be the victim and or you know the victim's mother and to n- not accept that yeah like that's the most human yeah. thing to me i guess i was more responding to where you said like they didn't care and i don't i don't know that we know that they don't care you know well they don't care in her eyes okay i can see that like care enough they, to put action to it yeah exactly yeah. they yeah. don't they don't care enough in in her eyes like nothing's happening and it's like you know we we have the priest like you know coming to her house not because her daughter suffered through this and and she's suffering the priest is coming because like he's upset about the billboards yeah but i guess i guess we don't know that he didn't come it's been a year Right. Yeah, but there there seems to be an indication in their in their back and forth that it's like you know they haven't seen each other in a year. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. like it's not like he's been you know just a rock and there for her this whole time. Yeah, he seemed to indicate like, well, you stopped contact, so it's on you. Yeah, exactly. Like, it doesn't seem maybe like he if you came out. to yeah. church, you know, uh-huh. you would know. And it's like that's fair. What the heck, man? Like, yeah. the, like how how are you not like? on the forefront of this with this woman and walking through this with her mm-hmm. and even the, the husband, like that's his daughter too. And the husband just like, doesn't seem to care at all. Yeah. I mean, I thought the husband was just kind of a piece of trash. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think but, he cares about anyone, but, but I, I think to your point, like the husband didn't need to be in it. I think the husband did need to be in it for that, for us to really get the picture of, you know, she feels alone that she feels so alone in all this. I think that, like before he came in, I already got that because like we knew that he existed. We knew that he was a piece of trash and we knew that he wasn't around. I think I knew that, but I didn't feel that. And I think that's the difference. And I think that's what Mark McDonough is so good at is it's like, and this whole story, it's a very simple story, frankly, like mm. plot wise, it's very, very simple, but the, the exercises to make you feel all of these emotions. Interesting. I wonder, like, it's hard to say how I felt the first time I watched it because I, when I came into this, I knew those things. Yeah. So I feel like I already felt that before he came in, how alone she felt against all of it. But at the same time, I did know what was coming. Sure. So it's hard for me to say that I would have felt that if it wasn't there because I don't, it's been five years. I don't really remember what I was feeling at that time. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't even remember watching this with you guys. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I think it left such an impact on me because I was in the middle of finals week and right. I was like, I'm 
I'm really going to stop studying to go watch a movie, but I just did not want to do it. I, remember, I think we went to the Mission Grove Theater. We did. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, because it, it was pretty close to totally UCR. Awesome. <laughs> it was pretty close to UCR. The only thing I remember about watching this for the first time was that my mom saw it before me, which is mm. rare. But uh. my mom, this year, my mom like made an effort to watch every picture that had Oscar buzz. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah. This one didn't win Best Picture, right? But it was nominated. I think Shape of Water won, but this was Shape nominated. of oh, Water. Oh, is this won. the Shape of Water year? Yes. Oh, oh yeah, because you've talked about how your mom was like, "What? How did that yeah. win?" Yeah, I never it, watched Shape of Water. Didn't want to. Interesting. As I was doing a little bit of research for this movie, I um, I, I just thought this was interesting, kind of worth bringing up that uh, this movie kind of inspired like a form of activism to where like yeah. people started to rent out billboard space and and put. Well, you know, I read that he genuinely saw somebody do this and that was what inspired the movie. That's correct. Yeah. And yeah. then I think it inspired other people to do it uh -huh. to, in some cases, to some success, I, mm -hmm. I believe. So yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that. That, that is very interesting. Kind of cool. Yeah, I, I think any time that art like has a demonstrable impact on culture, I think that's a, that's a like a it's almost better than a Oscar. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if this mm -hmm. is actually having a, a measurable impact on, on culture, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly an important movie, even if not like a loved movie, uh -huh. you know, like, and I, I feel like I've been overly negative. I don't, I wouldn't even say I didn't like this movie. I just, I, I remember loving it. Yeah. And so when I came into it, I, I maybe felt a little underwhelmed, but I don't by any means think it's a bad movie. Like I, I probably wouldn't watch it in cause I think it's really heavy. Yeah. And I'm never in the mood for that. But like if somebody, <laughs> if somebody was like, let's watch it, I really I haven't seen it. I would watch it again. And I, 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 so I think it's a good movie. I just felt a little bit let down by some things the second time around. I'm going to a, like a movie night with some other friends tonight. Wow. And I, asked if we could watch this like upset? that's how much i want to like yeah like, like i like if you're the guy that we we're like oh we're gonna have a movie night let's watch three billboards i'd be like i don't i don't know about that decision i'm busy <laughs> yeah. i'm busy tonight yeah it's uh let's do ant-man i love it <laughs> <laughs> i love it so much that uh, I love it so much and loved it watching it this time so much that I struggled to watch the three other movies for this recording because I kept wanting to like, maybe I'll just watch three billboards again. Wow. I really, I can't relate less to that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, this isn't like a, let's watch it again and again. This is a, like, I remember it and I, it was good. Uh, but I, I probably don't want to watch it again. It's going to be interesting to see where the, uh, the rankings lie. I know because it's rare. Uh, it's rare that I think we're oftentimes split on this was an excellent movie or this was a movie I enjoyed. Like as a group, we can sometimes get split on that, mm -hmm. but it's funny because I think this is an excellent movie that I also enjoy a ton. Like in, in the same way that you like independence day, <laughs> I think yeah. I like this movie. Yeah, that's, that's honestly pretty crazy to me. <laughs> I think it could have used a little bit more whiz bang. Yeah. Just personally. And aliens. Mm, yeah. Yeah, no, if the aliens from Independence Day would have been in this movie, much more likely. <laughs> what about if we found out at the very end that Mildred was just joking the whole time and the daughter was really alive and it was all a big 
from Frank. a comedic standpoint, yeah. <laughs> that would be the funniest thing possible. I'd be like, but however, you really disliked Ocean's Twelve. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, that, that was what I, I, I get it. Like I get the joke that he's making, but that would have been so funny. <laughs> Which proves my point about the context of the other movies. That's true. That's true. Yep. I don't think I would have liked it. I would from a from a storytelling standpoint, from everything. I think that would have been the worst decision. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I would have laughed out loud in the theater. <laughs> like if like the final scene was just the daughter being like, Mom, can I come out of my room now? Yeah. <laughs> like, like I like that would have been like so like so terrible of a decision that it would have but it would have been very funny. So one of the things I do want to, cause I've been glowing obviously about this, but I do want to share something that really didn't work for me. Okay. In this movie, uh, the flashback. Oh, with oh, the daughter, with, yeah. with the daughter. I was kind of hoping we weren't going to get to see her. I really yeah. was too. Honestly, like I, I actually felt like the movie was worse for the, like I knew what they were trying to do, but it really in the moment kind of took me out of it. And I, I just really felt like that was a poor decision. Yeah. I yeah. didn't need it. I wish she could have just told the story of the last thing she said. Yeah, exactly. Like, cause Francis McDormand could have delivered that as a monologue to any other character and it would have been, you know, just as emotional. Yeah. Uh And I, her, her presence was already so felt without having to see her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good point. I I feel like, yeah, that and the deer scene, the deer scene. I wish that wouldn't have been in the movie. I kind of loved it. It, it. just the fact that it looked so bad, uh, you know, it was so distracting. We're like everything just in this crudely movie, pasted your face yeah. over mine. Yeah, like everything in this movie is so real and gritty feeling that like putting this clearly fake deer in the movie. No, it's a real deer. What? That's a real deer. No, it was yeah. a real deer, but it was f- a definitely like spliced in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, it, something about it looked fake to me, but I guess yeah. it, it was a real deer that they just put in. It, it was camera tricks, yeah, but it, not done perfectly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It looked really weird. And I was like, this, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There there's in particular at the very end when the deer walks away, they cut back to the deer and it's super obvious. I mean, at least to me, it's super obviously uh, like a hundred yards away from the camera. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh man, like that, that I, I'm good on you for not CGIing this and trying to do it in camera, but you didn't pull it off. But if about the deer scene though, but like, if you could describe this movie to somebody and then you say, oh yeah, there's also a scene where Francis McDormand talks about feeding Doritos to a deer. Wild. (laughs) Like I said, it's the perfect blend of drama and comedy. It is. This is a true comedy. All right, let's go into the facts unless you guys have anything else. No, let's let's put it to bed. All right, it was directed, as we said, by Martin McDonough. Uh, It was written by Martin McDonough. It released on November 10th, 2017, had a runtime of 115 minutes. The other guys gave this a 90%. IMDb gave it an 8.1, had a box office of 160 million on a $15 million budget, so over a 10X. Uh, It won two awards uh, for Best Actress for McDormand and supporting actor for Rockwell. And then it lost five other uh, nominations for best picture, best supporting actor for Harrelson, best original screenplay, best film editing and best original score. I have a show note. I don't like that. We're doing the, I don't the facts now. It feels like such a grinding halt to the yeah. episode. It's so weird. <laughs> either, either we move it back to the beginning or, or we, we cut, cut it. it all together. Yeah. But like, like 
Oh yeah, this was directed by Martin McDonough. We all know that. <laughs> We've been saying we it for an stopped. hour. We've said Martin McDonough six hundred times this episode. <laughs> I, I like it. No, this was. I'm, I'm, I hate it. I was thinking that as soon as you started doing this. All right, agree, maybe Jake. maybe we just start bringing up the director and writers. No, I think we beforehand, do it, and I just start with the other stuff. Why don't we just go back to what we were doing? Yeah, yeah. Why? Well, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like you're trying to fix a perfect, a perfectly functional wheel right now. All right, fine, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, but we we brought this up on air, so and we, I feel like we have to address it if we change it. So, all right, I'm gonna give this uh, 9.6 poorly shot deers. Wow. That's really high. Uh, Jake? I told you, I thought this was excellent, near perfect. And um, you know what? I I had a number in mind before this, but I feel like I have to. Br- I feel like Tyler talked me up a bit, but not all the way. So I'm gonna give this uh, seven point eight Doritos that would kill a deer. Wow, Zach. Um, I'm gonna give it six point nine CGI deers. Wow, really? That's lower than I, I didn't like it. Yeah. But not just not like the cinematography, the acting, all of that. You think this is a 6.9. I didn't feel like this was a movie that I got anything out of. Like if I am not going to enjoy a movie, I want to be moved by it. And I I wasn't moved by it. Personally. I mean, uh, okay. I mean, it's your, I I kind of, I was kind of thinking you would have been talked up a little bit more by this conversation too, but maybe not. I Is mean, that the number you enough. had in mind before the the pod? After watching it, I thought about giving it a 6.5. Okay. So I, I was talked up a little bit. Dude, wow. you want to hear something crazy? What? Uh, wait, no, I gave this a 7.8, didn't I? Never mind. I was going to give it a 7.5, but I got talked up to a 7.8. I was really? like, we both got talked up 0.4, but we didn't. Well, you're mad. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. forgot what I gave it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give this 8.1 Dead Daughters. <laughs> We all talk about the deer <laughs> and Scott just says with dead daughter. Same thing. That was her daughter. That's uh, a deer. Remember? Okay. All right. This comes down uh, up to a 79%. Uh, once again, the other guys gave this a 90%. IMDb gave it an 8.1 and we found ourselves at 79. I so. feel like this is three. This is more than 3% better than Ocean's 13. Yeah. And I also feel like, to be honest, I think for me, this is almost i feel almost as betrayed as when scott gave there will be blood a 5.1 i'm sorry i felt bad about when i was watching it i was like i feel like tyler's gonna be let down that i am not as into this because i remember loving it when we watched it the first time i thought i was gonna be lowest at 8.1 i i just wasn't i'm not mad at your 7.8 to be honest yeah it's the (laughs) 6.9 it's the 6.9 that i'm just like that makes it's a little bit of a hot take no sense to me that is a super hot take i don't know i mean they're like like we this talked had about seven Academy Award nominations and it's a 6.9 Coda won best picture like that. That's not a great indicator for like what's what's a good movie. The Academy Awards. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can go back over all the best pictures that have won that like people think is completely stupid that it won. Here's the thing is I, feel like, thing, I, feel like I don't think a, it's not stupid that it won but 6.9. Yeah, that's an argument that I, I that just feels like it, the opposite of a Zach argument. Yeah, totally. Like I feel like Zach loves the Academy. I Awards. do, I do. And, but and part of why so I like stock it. in them. <laughs> I I feel like I feel like this has got to be like you must be trolling right now no, for like, Zach. I know, flip it on his head. I honestly wow. thought Jake, you'd be sub seven. 
Um, I was kind of down on it. I got talked up on it. I think that what Tyler said, and I think I think there were some things in it that I that shown through that I liked that maybe did move me a little bit more than I remembered. Uh, but initially I was less into it. And then I think Tyler did talk me up quite a, like a fair amount. Like yeah. I think I'm not used to Zach not getting, um, artsy films. I don't think that I, I think that, I don't think it was that I, I think that Zach's criticisms it. are, I think that's what it was. I think you didn't get it. I think your criticisms are pretty maybe. fair. And I think and there were not. things that I, that I felt, I think I got talked up a bit, but I, I, I think I this understand. This movie is critically a divisive film. Like I think, that's just true. Whereas, like, there will be blood, is not really. So I, I think I think I, I was pretty divided on if it was good or not. Yeah, I know, but you're not like a professional <laughs> critic. I think that it, like uh, a six point nine critics deals... divided on this. I think so. Ninety uh, yeah, percent and eight point one. You, yeah, you feel like they're pretty I, I... pretty divided. <laughs> oh, well, those are user base. No. Mm-mm. Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb? No, we Rotten that? Tomatoes, we use the critic score. Yeah. We bleep those like that? Yeah, but it's just yeah. if it's God, over the 50% it. whatever, like if it's vaguely positive. <laughs> that's true. Uh, Maybe it's just that's the how critics. audience score works. That's not how critic score works. I think that oh, is really? how the other guys. Works. No, that's Isn't how it? audience score works. What, what Zach just described is how audience score works. Critic score is what the critics score the film. Critics that I listen to. I think to we're gonna have to look into this like afterwards because I, I don't know if you're right about that. But we, I, 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 I'm not confident enough to definitely say no. But I feel like that's not right. Fair we'll enough. Look at, we'll look it up after. Yeah, I don't know. All right. The, yeah. I mean, this is clearly a critically divided film on this podcast. <laughs> I would consider us movie critics now, actually. So I took a little offense when you said I wasn't one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this is what we do for a living. This now, is Zach. episode one twenty one. This is our, this is our job. Right. Yeah, I you know, you said sorry, that Scott. one of your friends likes to look up what it got on Rotten Potato before she watches a movie. If she, if we've done it. So. Oh, did I? Yeah, you texted us. You said one of my friends texted me this. And I don't know who it was because I've never met the person, uh-huh. but I remember it and I remember thinking, wow, that's insane that somebody it's cares very, about what I think. Yeah. And, and thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Also, if you disagree with uh, Zach's take or Tyler's take, send us an email, rottenpotatopod at gmail.com. Yeah. It's mine. We'll read it on air. Yeah. We, we definitely check that. I do check it. You check it. It's on my phone. Like I get, whenever someone, we get an email, I, I get the notification. I get personal emails all the time about uh, RP. I just didn't realize that anybody was monitoring. Personal emails? Like to my to my personal email address. I don't think that anybody emails me to communicate except for work and businesses that are trying to get my attention. Well, that's, I mean, yeah. that's what they are. It's like people trying to, like I get, I've gotten at least, I shouldn't say all the time, but I've gotten four emails on my personal email address about RP from people trying to like sell us like platform basically oh i see like hey like you like i'm i liked your podcast you if you you know pay me this much i'll feature it here oh i have another proposal before we end this episode can we start saying the real name instead of the other guys going forward because i feel like new people entering the pod have no clue who we're talking about yeah i agree i I don't want to just say the name i don't give them any clout they already, there's yeah, nothing have, we're going to do to give or subtract from their club. They have <laughs> you don't know It was that. a fun bit for a while. Yeah, I just, I'm thinking about the new listener and they're like, yeah. who are the other guys? Is there yeah. another podcast? Yeah. The, and, and I do want to say real quick, I was worried. I knew Tyler, you wouldn't be happy with my rating. Uh, looking down the docket, you've got a ton of bangers this season. Yeah. This was so, one of them. 
you uh, to me you have more like, bangers coming like wait. it's not like last season where i'm like oh gosh i think you might be looking at scott's docket yeah, no, the bangers. yeah that's true yeah, yeah. my i have the oh bangers scott this has a ton too of fast, bangers too furious fast and furious tokyo Drift. to be fair we all have bangers this season we we've got a lot of bangers lined up what's your biggest banger this season oceans 13 <laughs> i hope Dude, I think this episode is just going to be effed up.